Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Anthony C., Cindy W., Thomas H., at TDG underscore 13, and Mark A. Returning to the program today is Wayne Hiley. Wayne is the Managing Director and CEO at Peninsula Energy, a U.S. ISR-focused restart stage uranium business with its Lance projects in Northeast Wyoming, of which right now is in the process of restart operations this year. The Lance project consists of three deposit areas, the current Ross production area, Kendrick, and Barber. The company is listed on the Australian Securities Exchange under the symbol PEN and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol PENMF. Wayne, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be joining you again. Yeah, always a pleasure, Wayne. Good to chat and, and hope the springtime is potentially perking up there in, in Casper and, and everything's good in Wyoming. <laughs> Your timing is incredible. We had the mother of all spring snowstorms this week and Casper has been shut down for the last three days. But um, fortunately for, for the company, the, the location of the site is about uh, three hours away from Casper and and the site did not enjoy the level of snow that, that Casper did. Uh, and we had a pretty normal week out at the site while Casper was shut down. Anyways, thanks for asking. That's a positive. The site's obviously uh, quite a distance away there from Casper and the weather, as you and I know, in living in these types of regions uh, can be quite uh, different in different areas and snowfall accumulates in some places and not so much in other places, right? That's right. And, you know, it's it's been an interesting winter this year and, and you know, presents challenges for companies that are trying to accomplish construction and other works. But, um, uh, you know, all in all, uh, yeah, an incredible winter in Wyoming, uh, lots of snow, lots of moisture uh, and and, uh, you know, still our team, uh, which, you know, I hold very high respect for has has dug in and, and, and accomplished a great deal throughout a, a very challenging set of circumstances. One of the one of the roughest winters we've had in the region in a long, long time. I'll just add too that, you know, people that live in this region and, and the departments and agencies that run things there tend to be a little bit more capable, if you will, of dealing with extreme weather versus major urban areas. So that's always an interesting piece too. It is, but you're right. I mean, in Wyoming is accustomed to having winter weather. It's just, we dig out and we, we move on. You don't see the reporting of the winters that happen in Wyoming like you do in the big urban areas. Maybe it's just not a, a matter of interest for, for the East Coast or the West Coast, but um, a foot of snow for them is, is a huge deal. Um, just reflecting, we had about three foot of snow in the last couple of days in Casper. Which is why, you know, it, it, it actually set records for the largest snowstorm uh, on record and uh, the most snow that fell in one day uh, period. So, you know, but again, out at the site, nothing like that. We we're probably, um, you know, eight inches, 10 inches, and that's a very normal snowstorm in Wyoming. Good points. And, uh, you know, folks from Urban Center should be concerned about what happens out here because, uh, Last I checked, there's some baseload energy in the form of coal coming to them. 
there's also some pretty important minerals that are coming out of the ground uh, in your state. And uh, I think that should be important to anybody who lives in a city because all the components in that city are, well, being dug out of the ground. <laughs> That's right. Well, one, one thing I think you can rest assured of is the people in Wyoming will cowboy up and, and get the job done for you. Yeah. Well, how about we kick it off here with getting your take on the uranium market conditions here equities in the dumpster and i'll throw you in there too wayne i'll right along with the peninsula equity as well in the dumpster among all the others as well but uh things are looking quite constructive despite the broad market still having its way with many sectors including uranium uh what are your thoughts at this point i think the you know the global market is is poised for substantial growth for uranium uh, it's really supported by us european and asian uh, government policies um, with respect to the, the development of nuclear generation and capacity. Uh, investors know that. We know that. There's a structural deficit in the uranium market. That deficit this year, 2023, is projected to be 30, 35 million pounds again. I like to take uh, trade text projections. I think that, that they're a very solid analysis um, outfit. Um, you know, they have 2023 uh, Western supply at, at about 145 million pounds. Uh, that, that's primary production of 125 and, and secondary production of about 20. And they have you know, demand uh, looking at about 175 million. So again, uh, 2023 structural deficit, 30 million pounds. Uh, it's been like that year in, year out. This is structural and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Rather, the, uh, the deficit widens as time goes on. Um, you see sig the significant drawdown of available inventories has been occurring over the last couple of years to meet this structural deficit, but that can't go forever. And what that means for uranium producers and, and securities is really that um, we have the opportunity if we, if we look forward and, and we prepare for it, new sources of uranium mid and large scale producers are needed. They're needed now. And now is the time to get started on production. There's going to be a big focus on Western supply and, you know, Peninsula is working to, to help meet the needs of the market uh, going forward. So our investors, they're looking at the energy sector and uranium in particular, and you're looking for good financial returns. And you're saying, how does this, you know, structural deficit, this, this, very easy to see market opportunity. How, how can it continually not be translating into good financial returns for the uh, uranium producers, the uranium developers, uh, and the explorers? It's just simply that um, we continue to, to face financial market headwinds, um, like inflation, like supply chain issues. And until the, the global markets heal from, from their current state, you know, the uranium producers and more speculative of the uranium stocks are, are going to continue to be pulled down with the larger market. Yeah, that's good stuff, Wayne. I appreciate you covering off some of your thoughts on this. Very constructive in the sector. Let's move on here. Let's get right into uh, restart operations. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, what's happening on the ground? Well, here we are at the beginning of, of the second quarter of, of 2023, and, and the company spent... Uh, I really, you know, the the, heart, the whole of, of the first quarter 
preparing um, our existing production plant and well field facilities um, for low pH in situ recovery operations. Uh, Peninsula, since the last time we spoke, has made uh, the production decision to return the project to production. That decision was made late in calendar year 2022. And of course, uh, just a refresher for, for the listeners who are not so familiar with our, our uh, company. Uh, Peninsula is 100% owner of the Lance Projects uh, in the state of Wyoming. It's a premier uranium production jurisdiction. And, and Lance holds uh, one of the largest uranium resources in the United States. Peninsula anticipates a long and successful run of uranium production and we're working right now to get that uranium production up and, and going. The Lance projects are an established project which first produced in 2016 and, and was idled for a period of time. Uh, but, but again, we're restarting and we have a very uh, short time frame for restart. Uh, we're scheduled to have commercial production operating by mid calendar year 2023. Uh, we'll be using uh, the low pH in situ recovery method, which is uh, new for the United States uranium industry, uh, not new for the world. And, you know, longer term, with the large resource that we already have, over 50 million pounds, we see significant growth potential um, on our resource in, in the Kendrick and Barber areas that you referred to in your introduction. So, you know, like I said, today we're we're facing um, the challenge and, and the excitement of, of starting up a project, but we, we, when we look to the long-term, to the, to the constructive markets and, and the opportunities, the long-term opportunity that the Lance projects uh, present, uh, we're really excited about the future. Let's talk about some of the things you mentioned earlier. Obviously, we know supply chains have been very difficult, lead time, procurement, all of this has been a cluster and cost escalations uh, the inflation factors always of course been there to some degree or another but definitely cost escalations are a bigger concern for me because of these tight supply chains that we've seen and some of these costs are just not going to go down they're not going to go down they're here to stay there might be some fluctuations here and there that make it look positive but in general uh, i like to use the the gold sector analogy here that the 2000 us dollar gold price right now well, people get excited when it's 2,500 an ounce now after escalations that have been factored in. Um, you've seen that in the gold sector so bad, whether it's your new project developments and watching the CapEx on those swell by 35%, uh, literally in, in the course of a few months. 2,500 an ounce, now it starts to look like the cash flows are really stacking. Of course, I'm uh, leaving out a few good quality majors that actually have very good cost profiles, even in light of cost escalations. But let's come back to Lance here. Sorry to digress slightly. Talk no about uh, some of the challenges you guys are seeing there right now on the ground. There was uh, delays that have occurred already. Some of that's beyond the control of you guys. You guys obviously are, are making a best effort to make sure that the procurement is done early as possible, but there are things that do come up. But Talk about some of those challenges, and then do you see any other challenges, Wayne, that will push off, you know, steady state operations further, or perhaps maybe there's some tasks that you guys can handle internally that regain some of the schedule losses. Talk about that and some of the issues. Certainly. Well, you know, first and foremost, I don't think the market appreciates how hard it is 
putting a project, a new project into production, or even a brownfields project back into production uh, in this environment. Um, we see challenges on supply chain side. We certainly are facing inflationary pressures. But when you look at even you know any global project, transportation is going to have a, a big bite. Um, you know, and, and it's and it's getting harder and harder to move uranium around the world. In the middle of March, we uh, put out a press release and we shared that yes, we've had a, a few setbacks in our plan uh, items that we ordered. In late last year, that we knew had had long lead time, uh, you know, we were we were up ahead of uh, of things and and ordering so that we would have parts at the beginning of of 2023. Some of those parts, believe it or not, some some of that equipment has still not arrived at our site. We're expecting it soon, and we're prepared to install it as soon as it arrives. Uh, but without key pieces that you know, we anticipated a long time ago uh, would be long lead time items but but then you know the time frames just keep extending you call your vendors and they say just don't have it i don't have the steel i don't have the the materials that i need uh to to build the piece and as soon as i get them uh, you know you're top on my list right but you know that doesn't get us where we need to be we need um, you know certain pieces and parts to to move forward that said you know, it looks good now. A lot has moved forward since that press release. We certainly are in a good position to be in commercial production by uh, mid-year this year. Um, you know, and that means that that will be ramping up in, in the course of this current quarter. It's very exciting. Uh, capital expenditures, you asked about that. And you know, I'd like to say, you know, in our press release from mid-March, we indicated that the company uh, is very closely controlling our capital expenditures and the project transformation, the capital costs that we estimated about eight, eight and a half million dollars, $8.4 million in our DFS from, from mid-2022 is still a good number. That's great news. Despite inflationary pressures, some cost overruns, uh, we see some victories too. We, we see some areas where we've been able to identify some savings uh, and keep the project on track capital-wise. From the beginning to now, we're still saying, and, and we, we're still seeing that, that the, uh, the overall capital expenditures of about eight and a half million dollars to put the project up and running again we're, are holding true. So that's really good news for the shareholders. Uh, time has slipped, but the money has has uh, come in uh, pretty well as expected. When you say commercial production mid-year, I want to just ask, tie that with another question here um, as to what your expectations would be on production levels this time next year. So, you know, let's call it second quarter or April 2024. Talk about what commercial production would mean for you roughly. I know you can't give exact numbers and you can forecast them, but it's impossible to be exact. But maybe you can talk about what mid-year means 2023 and then also what second quarter 2024 could mean for the project. And from a technical uh, standpoint and a processing standpoint, how is the processing methodology going? How's things going on that front? So, you know, our, our ramp up plans for the project really um, initially have have been that we would go back into some of the older well fields which have been previously 
uh, worked with the alkaline chemistry and do some some additional recovery using the more effective and 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 uh, you know really better higher recovery process of, of low pH um, as uh, as with any project um, we need to replace old well fields with new well fields and when the new well fields are available uh, they haven't been mined previously and they they generally come on strong so um, while we're losing some some time here, which where we would be working in in the older well fields, uh, we've continued to develop the new well fields, and the the well field development aspect is on track. And what that means is that um, 2024, where we anticipating anticipated having uh, mine unit three, a, a new well field ready for production, um, that's still true. That's on track. And, and um, we expect that uh, when we have mine unit three up and running, um, it can help us fill our current plant capacity. Uh, we can probably be running at, at a sustainable rate uh, near uh, 750,000, 800,000 pounds per year um, in you know, a year from now with mine unit three running. So, um, you know, we're, we're losing some time where we would be working in some of the less um, productive well fields, um, but we're not losing time where we were going to be working in the more productive future well fields. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of an exciting aspect for me. I see 2024 as, as a very strong production year, um, you know, with our facilities currently nameplate capacity around 800,000 pounds per year. Uh, I think we can be filling that nameplate capacity uh, in the middle of next year. I appreciate the uh, points on that and where you think this will be next year. Let's uh, just discuss just the stage two part of this, Wayne, and, and when you guys would be at a point where you believe that stage two expansion would be reasonable to undertake. With that, let me just ask you, because this is obviously production, surrounding production, it surrounds cash flows, it ex really surrounds maybe the pricing and further term contracting that might be done, which obviously would be more attractive at higher prices. But what do you think you need to underpin that stage two expansion, Wayne, in terms of what types of prices would you look for, or a price range for potential term contracting there to underpin that expansion? maybe a certain cash flow off of the production on stage one that you're looking for, you know, just putting those pieces together to really pull the trigger on a stage two expansion. Why don't you talk about that? Certainly. And, and for the benefit of your listeners, let me, let me just help you define uh, what a stage two expansion looks like for Peninsula. Uh, again, uh, today we have a plant facility that, that is capable of producing or generating up to about 800,000 pounds of resins or of uranium loaded on resins and we rely on a third party um, company to to process our resins and and to produce the yellow cake uh, for us stage two expansion is to expand our plant facilities to become fully independent um, which is not a, a, a technical challenge it's just a capital investment and then uh, to really expand our production capacity at the Ross facility from um, from the 800,000 pound annual rate that we can produce today up to about 2 million pounds per year. That's what we've regarded as, as stage two. So stage two is a, a capital investment. Um, what would support a stage two um, 
capital investment is certainly uh, prices with, with a six hanging on the front, uh, $60 or better. Um, you know, our contract book today, uh, you know, when we look at our base price escalated contracts, um, you know, that expectation is already being met with numbers that are, um, you know, averaging around $60 a pound uh, from our contract book. We have a very good contract book, uh, but our contract book doesn't require us to go to stage two today. We, you know, we have peak years in our contract book that may be three quarters of our current capacity. You know, we can comfortably produce within our current capacity for our current contracts. So we would uh, look to have new contracts um, uh, supporting a stage two decision um, to, to bring the project to 2 million pounds per year, which I believe is is the direction that, that the market's going to take for us. I, I think the market will be supportive of that in the, in the uh, second half of, of this year. I think I, you know, We've we've looked at a uranium market spot market that's that's uh, built a solid uh, foundation around fifty dollars a pound now that seems to be the bottom number. Uh, it's been stable in the fifties, and it's and and it's due to step up. Um, again, the available inventories in the market for trading are very thin. Um, anytime that that new investment comes into the uranium space and and people are acquiring uranium. Um, there's there's really only one direction for uranium prices to go from where they are today, uh, and that's you know to move from 50 towards 60. So I think the the tailwinds in the market are going to support a stage two decision, you know, really quickly after we get to stage one full capacity. Appreciate you covering that off because that's always a concern for investors as to hey, how does this get financed, underpinned with cash flows, underpinned with term contracts at higher prices. Uh, this point 65 incentive prices is now much higher than that uh, giving global events supply chain issues escalations all the other stuff we already covered makes a lot of sense there and, and to be able to fill that additional expansion capacity here and I think you'll be in a very good position should this be very close to nameplate mid next year I think that'll be a good reinforcing position for folks to uh, to get on board with uh, expansion sticking on contracting for a moment can you come back and just cover off the existing contract book a bit in terms of give us some details on how you see the current contract book maybe on a percentage filled basis and what else you would look to do with that remaining capacity that maybe is um, uncommitted new contract home which we obviously covered which is uh, attractive or maybe it finds its way into the spot market if it's a small volume of some kind that you think is attractive to leave open to spot but talk about that contract book and the leverage you guys have to either higher term contract prices and also higher spot prices andrew we have a, a really good um, and flexible contract book uh, we have sales now um, committed sales of, of over five million pounds, five and a quarter million pounds, and, and that contract book extends out to the year 2033. For the next decade, 10 years, um, we're delivering you know, over five million pounds into our contract book. If, if you average it, you'd say, you know, we have half a million pounds a year committed to contracts. That's pretty simplistic, but um, uh, not too far from the truth. So with a current plant capacity of about 800,000 pounds, having a, a half a million pounds a year is a very comfortable position to be in. 
we've had some some changes in our in our contract book in the in the first quarter where we we announced that one of our long-standing customers exercised some options uh, which means that now you know what what they've done is is move uh, pounds from from their option to electing that option and and uh, made them firmly committed for us we're happy about that we also added um, uh, some additional pounds into into the relationship with with that customer so um, so that we've extended the the, the life of that contract uh, beyond the optional pounds our pricing structures uh, as a whole I think I think people who who like risk mitigation and, and like, um, you know, to know that, you know, we're not tied up in fixed prices all the way. We have a portion of our, our contract book, which is structured with base price escalated um, contracts. Uh, those base price escalated contracts are projected to yield about $60 a pound for us. And we have a portion of our contract book um, that's market-based. Um, which means that when the market goes up, um, we see higher revenues from from the pounds that are delivered into the market-based contracts. If the market goes down, we would you know, subsequently see lower prices. But our market-based contracts uh, are, are tied to floors, have floors and ceilings tied to them to protect us and to protect our customer. The floors on our market, the lowest floor on our market-based contracts is 45, and the the highest ceiling is 80. I've seen you know comments that investors want to know that we're not all tied up in contracts. You know we do have you know 60, 75 percent of our our current production capacity committed to contracts. That's good business, uh, but those contracts are are some fixed price or base price escalated and some market price so uh, that too is good practice um, if the price goes up we'll see we'll see the improvement uh, when inflation occurs you know some of the escalation factors are tied to inflation so high inflation rates mean uh, faster escalation on our contracts uh, you know a well-constructed contract book supports a company and our contract book has supported us over the past several years uh, we've been delivering uranium to customers since 2016 every year uh, people fail to recognize that peninsula has been generating revenues year in year out uh, even though we're not always producing uranium yeah good additional color for the audience to to take in there so let's cover off another subject here. You know, assuming that there is a stage two movement in 2024, Wayne, and as part of, you know, additional access to the markets and, and liquidity seeking that that's going to happen here as we continue to move through the cycle, would you be considering further listing upgrades in North America as the company progresses on its goals and objectives? Or, or do you think there's nothing further there, you know, in terms of maybe NYSE Amex listing or possibly some listing in Canada like TSX? Uh, what are your thoughts on that additional listing to gain further exposure to the North American capital markets, which obviously the U.S. is by far the biggest one? Yeah, for a long time we've we've talked about as a as a company um, uh, the opportunities that the North American markets present to us, be it Canadian or or U.S. Our board today believes that the time is right to move forward with that, and and we're taking 
quite a few steps towards that uh, North American listing. That's something that could happen this year, uh, very, very, very possibly. And for all the reasons that you state, um, the North American markets um, are very supportive of North American and Western-based uh, uranium producers. Um, the Aussie market, the Australian market has been very, very good to Peninsula, and we're not going to leave our um, shareholders behind there. But there's a lot that goes into a listing, and to do it right and to develop the liquidity in the new market, um, you know, there's a lot of considerations. Um, you know, we're not going to list just for the sake of listing. You know, we're, we're going to do this right. That sounds good, Wayne. Okay, let's move on here on that and just talk about the equity valuation a bit here and investor sentiment. Of course, you know, sector-wide been beat up, but also uh, investor sentiment in Peninsula has been uh, pretty beat up for quite some time as well. I think you'd agree with that, Wayne, and that obviously delivery on the ground is a very important component of turning that around. And then, you know, the always the under-promise, over-deliver approach always wins. It's very difficult to achieve, but it always wins. And let me ask you, as you guys move into more production and really getting things going at Lance, what actions will you be taking during this restart in production to reverse and prove up the capabilities of this company, its operations, and even the upside in the deposits? You, you touched on sector sentiment and, and you know, how strong it is, um, the, the tailwinds for, for nuclear, you know, just incredible. Uh, but, but I look at, you know, how uh, market performance of, of the peer group that I'm in. And, and, you know, what I see is that the largest U.S. uranium companies are the ones that aren't trying to, to achieve anything significant in the way of production. Um, so, so it is uh, a challenge for those of us who are moving towards production, and there's there's just a small handful of us, a, a small group that have a very real um, project teams, very capable project teams that are that are doing very substantial and concrete work towards uh, generating long-term cash flow through production. Um, Peninsula is one of those companies we're investing the money that we get into the project and and we're we're turning a project around so that it'll be a long-term uh, successful uranium production project with 50 million pounds in the ground um you know and, and a present production capacity of 1 million and, and an aspirational stage two of 2 million pounds per year uh you know we're just scratching the surface of of the life of this project so so, um, you know, I encourage investors who are looking at the short term things, the one month, two month delays in the startup uh, to look at the long term, look at what the company is doing to ensure that it's a viable company for the long term. Uh, Peninsula has contracts in place. It has um, you know, resources and reserves in place. It has upside potential with the scale of the project. And um, you know, yes, we have our head down, uh, focused on delivering um, a production project, which is, you know, a very difficult challenge. Like I said earlier, the market doesn't appreciate how hard it is to take a project from idle to production in, in the current environment. It's just a, it's just a daily battle, uh, but we're doing that battle with a very capable team and long term. 
you know, this company is going to deliver on aspects that, that other companies aren't even starting to endeavor on right now. I'm optimistic that uh, valuations uh, will reflect effort, that valuations will reflect performance, and that, and that uranium production companies generating strong cash flows uh, will be valued properly against companies that just hold resources and are a proxy on the price of uranium. Wayne, well said, and definitely I agree with uh, the point that you brought up twice about these things are very difficult to get done, very difficult. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks out there are still able to fake it, if you will, with respect to that. And eventually the tide's going to come out and we're going to find out who's swimming naked and who has completely told a story, nothing more, uh, to their investors over this period of time, because we still haven't got to the point of, show me and in this market and unfortunately we're going to get to that point sadly uh, for some <laughs> positive well, for others <laughs> you know i look back andrew at at uh, the uranium renaissance period you know which really might have been 2005 to 2011 you know when P fukushima um put a real damper on the uranium markets but in that time frame there was one private company um, operated a project in South Texas that we all know as uh, Alta Mesa. And, and it, it turned out that, that that private company prepared their project for production when the markets weren't saying it was time. But they had their own sources of funds and, and they, they put their money into preparing the project for production. And when the markets turned around, they capitalized like nobody could. The secret? they were ready. When the market turned, they were ready. They were producer. Uh, it was magical for them. They generated great, great uh, revenues during, you know, the, the upturn of the uranium price from 2005 to 2007. Uh, they were one of the few companies that, that were ramping up production and had re readily available um, material that, that wasn't fully committed to the market. So, so they enjoyed a great um, opportunity. I see that happening now, but you have to be poised, uh, ready immediately for production. When the market goes up, you've got to be able to take advantage of it. Yep, fully agreed with that as well. Let's touch on uh, another topic, which uh, we probably haven't touched on before, Wayne, but uh, community work. Anything you'd like to highlight on this front that Peninsula is doing in the local community continue to create a good workplace, um, assist the local community there. It's a rural area um, and do work there that I think is important. And, and then if you want to expand to the state level, go ahead. But uh, community work's important and would love to hear your thoughts on what you guys are doing now. And then also, obviously, which some people tend to forget that maybe the budget actually improves for some community work when you're actually producing positive free cash flow. And I think sometimes people put the cart before the horse thinking you've got to do all this stuff and you should. But there is capital limitations to anything. I mean, all of this is fed by capital. And you can't have things like CSR and ESG without capital. And the capital comes from shareholders. No capital, there are no stakeholders. <laughs> talk about that for a moment, because I know you. this is important to you guys, and you guys have done some stuff there. But just talk a little bit about this, because mm -hmm. you know your work in Wyoming is, is obviously quite a bit different than someone's work, say, in, in Ecuador, for example. Go ahead. 
Right. Well, you know, Wyoming is a is a great place to to work um, and to live. Uh, I'm happy, you know, to have been here in Wyoming for for over 25 years now. Um, but but Peninsula, you know, has has from the from the get go been a company that's committed to to being a responsible member of our local and uh, community, and and to be a contributing member of of our our larger society. Our, our global com, uh, communities, um, you know, Peninsula participates in in the advocacy for the uranium industry, but but we also uh, support local high school students, uh, seniors with with scholarships. We've had a scholarship program that, you know, that we're we're bringing students um, the opportunity to have a, a a great college education at a low cost to them. Uh, we've been supporting college students for a very very long time from our local community uh, as a consequence of of the way we engage um, with the local community you know coming to county commissioner meetings going to local city council meetings uh, you know being open with the community um, peninsula has enjoyed a, a very high level of local community support and it's also you know probably comes from our health and safety record um, uh, incredibly, you know, we've gone over five years now without a lost time accident at our facility, even though we've maintained, you know, a, a respectable size uh, staff. And we're very active today in, in construction activities. Um, and we have a, a, we have a terrific environmental record. Um, you know, the operations at our facility have, have held to the licensing commitments and and the regulatory commitments that we've made, uh, you know, we run uh, and and do our work without uh, violation of, of our environmental commitments. So we have a strong environmental record. Um, the company is really you know happy now that um, we're um, on the cusp of of rolling out uh, an inaugural EESG report, which is you know employees environment social and governments report. Um, you know, that should, that, that's actually, um, you know, coming out in the very near term. And, and it's a reflection, that report is a reflection of the, the good work that we do in the community, our attention to health, safety, and the environment, and to good corporate governments. Well, look, we've uh, we spent a good amount of time here, and I want to be respectful of uh, your time and, and also my time as we need to get on with our days on other issues. But one other item here, and then we'll wrap up. Mergers and acquisitions. Um, obviously, you've followed this and know that this is an important component of this market uh, in various stages. Uh, is there any interest on this front and just your comments on this component uh, that you'd like to make? There is interest. Peninsula's um, naturally interested in, in growing and expanding our footprint beyond uh, just the Lance project. And we've been actively engaged in in pursuit of of some expansion activities. I'm not going to you know foreshadow specifically um, what those will be. I, and I don't want the listeners to be disappointed. Um, don't don't take my words to to mean that we're merging or uh, you know acquiring immediately. But we've been actively engaged, and when the right opportunity comes, you know we won't be afraid to act. But I think that there's opportunities for Peninsula um, with the talented team that we have to really uh, grow and, and expand beyond um, being a one project company. And that time is, is coming. 
Well, let's leave it there for now. But before we go, potential investors who are listening in, Peninsula Energy has a market capitalization of about 182 million Australian. What do you say to investors about considering the company at this important stage? Well, we are at a very exciting stage for for a company. We're beginning to, um, you know, we're at the cusp of, of beginning to produce significant amounts of uranium with a new technology that's um, that we've proven through through uh, years of of test work and and preparation. Uh, we're a company that's um, committed to taking one step at a time, uh, always. Um, de-risking and, and, and taking sensible um, small steps towards the finish line. But, you know, the last couple of years of investment into the project are about to uh, pay their dividends um, as we as we begin production and, and we start to, to report production to the market over the course of uh, 2023. And, and, and then real, you know, stronger production results, certainly in, in 2024. It's an exciting time for Peninsula. We've gone through, you know, the challenging times. We've we've met those challenges. And we've we've risen up to them. Uh, you know, we've done what we had to to keep the company financially healthy, to to honor our our, our sales commitments throughout the years, and uh, we sit uh, in good stead with uh, the utility customers. We sit in good stead in in the um, the, the uranium community. And I think that it's really time for investors to turn their attention to the quality story that Peninsula is and to um, do your homework. But you'll see when you when you look at this, you know, this is a quality team uh, delivering a quality product for the market. And Wayne, the best way for folks to contact the company. Piece of cake. Uh, you know, we have a website, www.pel.net.au. There's certainly a link there. If you want to contact the company, a simple email uh, to us uh, will be responded to. And, and, and that email address is info, I-N-F-O, at pel.net.au. Um, those are the, the fastest, surest ways to contact the company for more information. Wayne, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Good update and uh, looking forward to chatting soon and continuing to follow the company. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure uh, being on with you today.